Welcome along to the Rocky Road Rewind. We are joined today by a boxer so colourful he was given not one but two nicknames. Irish Pat Lawler, also known as the Pride of the Sunset, had 40 professional contests between 1987 and 2005, facing five opponents who ultimately finished up in the International Boxing Hall of Fame. He beat two of them, Wilfred Benitez and Roberto Duran, before suffering defeats to Terry Norris, Joe Calzaghe and Duran in a rematch as their careers drew to a close. Pat's is a real-life Rocky story. Born in 1963 to an Irish and Italian background, life was not easy growing up. And Pat, 15 years on from your last contest, I believe you're still fighting the good fight. As well as being a boxer, you've run for mayor of San Francisco, worked in bars, pizzeria, pest control, real estate. Now you're a longshore man. Most proudly of all, your role as a father. Uh, I believe that you also dabble in poetry. So uh, maybe why don't we start off with a couple of lines? Welcome to the show. I'll do one that's boxing, being it's a boxing show. So, uh, all right. Many people wonder, but few have been told why some men step into the ring to fight for the gold. Maybe they come from the ghetto, fighting for a better life, or trying to put food on the table to feed their children and the wife. For some, you think it's all they know. They've been doing it for years. Makes you wonder, have they blown all their money or just saying goodbye to the cheers? As for myself, it was a tribute to honor a close friend who had died. Whoever thought my quest to win a belt would ever take me for such an amazing ride. You see, I've been in this sport for more than 20 years, and I've heard all the boos, the screams, and the cheers. I'm a veteran of this game that you just don't play, which is why I'm writing this poem, so that I might say that it's a physical game of chess, with your board being a 20-foot mat, and you know there's been a checkmate when a body is laying flat. Most of us remain buddies after we put it all out in the ring. The strange kind of friendship we share, it's more like a camaraderie thing. And after wondering what keeps these guys up after taking that first right cross on the chin, why tell you they're kinky for the smell of leather or just have that burning desire to win? So if you're ever rocked from pillar to post and your only fans inside of a seat, we'll just fire back with your best right hand but make sure you first plant your feet. And when life starts to get funny and the girls who once snubbed you suddenly begin to speak, well, it's only because they think got lots of money after reading the paper. You've been on a hot winning streak. See, it's a game that teaches you human nature for the only player on the team. And then after you've lost a couple back-to-back and your phone stops ringing, you sit back and wonder, was it all just some crazy dream? A dream I... Sorry, and I lost it. I can't... Ah, I'm sorry. Damn it. Ah. <laughs> no, no. No, it's all right. Ah, damn it. Ah. Then it's gone. That's a good. That's a great. That's a great recital, Pat. Oh, uh, yeah. Damn it. Uh, I'm sorry. You were you were in the zone. Yeah. Yeah. Damn it. Uh, I'm. <laughs> I'm just now on the early stages of, of Alzheimer's, but uh, I still thought I'd be able to pull it out. And and, and uh, something happens, and I just think about something else, and it just mm. screws me up. I'm sorry. Uh, can you tell us about that, Pat? Maybe tell, when did you get diagnosed with early stages of Alzheimer's? Uh, just just recently, a couple of months back. But uh, my daughter, we went uh, to Panama recently to see the Pope, and uh, she and, and I get lost. You know, uh, I went on this big jihad. This, 20 mile hike and when we got there I just it was like Woodstock concert it was like five Woodstocks of people it was just a massive crowd and 
I was asleep and I, I got up in the middle of the night to use the uh, facilities and I I walk maybe 50 yards away and then when I'm finished and I walk back out, I open up the door and it's just a, and I have no idea which way I came from and I have, and I'm lost. <laughs> so I went <laughs> in the morning and I, and I thought I, I'd find my daughter and I never did. So, uh, I, I left and I waited outside. There was a McDonald's that was outside of the crowd of the gate. And, uh, she left early also cause she was probably looking for me. And, uh, I, when she came out of the out of the gate, and I saw her there, and that's well, the, of the day to see the the Pope. I completely was was away. I I didn't, didn't have any idea which way to walk when I got out of that uh, stall. It was just I should have carried some breadcrumbs with me. <laughs> Whatever. Yeah. Yeah. Crazy. So you only found out you found out about this diagnosis a couple of months ago. Uh, yeah, yeah. Which you know, whatever. Hey. Is your um is your Alzheimer's diagnosis is it related to boxing or is it? Oh yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah. Well, whatever. I mean, I knew that that was you know a chance that was going to happen when you get into it, but yeah, you know. I know. Ah, oh, that makes me mad, though. Makes me mad when I, when I do that, but that's can't. I uh, was at my manager's house not too long ago for his birthday, and uh, went to my car for something. I walked maybe fifty feet. Had no sat in my car. <laughs> I must have sat in my car for a half an hour waiting for me to, to be able to remember what it was that I went to my car for. And it never came. It never, it never, you know, and they were wondering where I went. And I was just trying to remember, why did I come here? What was I trying to get out of my car? What what did I need to get? And I couldn't, I never got it. So I don't know what the hell I was doing. But it's just, it, it's it's aggravating. But, and uh, my daughter is 25 years old. When her mother was pregnant with her, sitting home with her mom, I started to do crossword puzzles. And they are supposed to keep you from losing, you know, keep you sharp. And that's a lie. <laughs> and I do, I do, uh, there, there's a, one paper uh, here at the Chronicle has two crossword puzzles in it, and then the examiner has one. So I do from Monday through pretty much Thursday, I can get them. Friday and Saturday are pretty tough, uh, but they're they're not helping me one bit. And it's this thing is <laughs> and it makes me mad. I I uh, was. There's a, I go to two bars. I the only two bars that I go to in, in the neighborhood here, uh, or it's the neighborhood I, I, I go to is, is North beach, which is an Italian neighborhood. And, uh, there's Laracas and Gino and Carlo. And those are the two bars that I go to. And I, I, I left, I, I got there at 10 in the morning, stayed till about one in the afternoon to Gino and Carlo went home, took a nap got up, took a shower, ate some food, 
went back down to Gino and Carlo, walked in, and I, I'm recognizing all these faces. I just don't know what their names are. And these are people I've known for the last 20 years. And, and, and I'm looking right at them, and I can't think of their name. It really aggravated me. And then I just turned around, and I left, and I came home, and tomorrow's another day. And the next day, I knew everybody's name. But, but at that one moment, I, I, couldn't, I couldn't do it. I couldn't figure out you know, what, what the name was. But it was, it's annoying. It's, it's all it is. It just gets me annoyed you know, at myself. Yeah. You know, what can you do? Did you suffer um, many, well, I suppose what's known now as, what was known then as well, but as concussions during your boxing career, maybe maybe there's a consideration to take better care or be more wary of the concussion danger now, whereas when you're fighting 25, 30 years ago, they're kind of just bangs in the head. Yeah, you know, uh, and and, uh, I don't know if it's mentally or whatever, but 30 30 it's like you're peaking peaking 27 28 physically everything's good you know and then 30 30 was the uh it was the worst birthday i ever had and every every birthday comes quicker now and it's just going downhill you know you're peaking when you're 27 28 29 you hit that 30 and then yeah, all the way down. That <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> yeah, was, uh, yeah, I, I, didn't, <laughs> I didn't care for that one. <laughs> but, but I have gotten, you know, slower and whatever. Just, eh, it's, it's behind me, whatever. You know, yeah. I, uh, <clears throat> I'm, I'm happy where I'm at, whatever. I could, uh, I'd like to get a house. That would be nice. <laughs> but, yeah, I would, that would be my only goal you know to get a house uh, hopefully someday we'll see so, so Pat, let, let's go back to where you came from you know you grew up in uh, the sunset area of san francisco uh-huh. um your parents divorced when you were young yeah uh, it was tough times growing up and you eventually left home at 14 and kind of had to fend yeah. for yourself is that correct yeah yeah uh i i stayed in golden gate park for maybe a few weeks and then two girls I know Celeste and Simone invited me to stay at their house um, which was on La Playa which is right across the street from the ocean and um, I stayed there for a little for a while and then um, another friend Mimi Rosen uh, invited me and she said come you know, come up here. So I was in their house and then across the street uh, was the Maguires and Mary Maguire. I dated and then uh, was moving in, into their house. And uh, uh, I stayed in that house. That, that's uh, they're They're like my family. The Maguires and the Rosens are, are very much like my family uh, more than my own. You know, I love my sister, but I got a brother that they don't particularly care for. So. Yeah. <laughs> Whatever. No, no big. But, uh, but yeah, out outside of my family, I have family. And uh, but when my career took off, then then uh, my mother and my stepfather were all jacked about it, you know. But I had I had to get in the ring and get punched in the head for my mom to even notice me. You know, she, she, it wasn't, uh, yeah, she didn't, whatever. I don't, I don't think she really cared until, until my name was in the paper from boxing, you know? 
But whatever. She's passed away and gone, and the other one is on his way out, so whatever. No big. Yeah, the route into boxing wasn't intentional, was it? I believe you began in the sport because you had a friend who got killed. Yeah. And it was his yeah. intention to be a boxer. Yeah. Yeah, we he was a really good golfer, and we have a golf tournament for in, in honor of him. And I believe uh, this year coming up is going to be the 30th anniversary of the tournament that we started 10 years after he passed away. We started the tournament. And me and his younger brother, we always go to uh, his grave site on, on the day that he died and drink a couple of beers, whatever. And, and one year he said, we got to next year we're starting this tournament and we're doing it. So after 10 years after he died, we started this tournament. And, uh, so it's getting 40 years. He's been gone. And, uh, the tournament's coming up on the 30th anniversary of the tournament. Rain yeah. or shine. Let's play nine. It's just a little nine hole par three, all Sounds par threes. Fun. And it's, yeah, the, the golf's about an hour and a half of the day. And then the rest of the time is just barbecues and, you know. What was, his, what was his name, Pat? And what happened to him? To uh... Merlin, Merlin Porter was his name. He was on the back of a motorcycle uh, that his friend was driving. And they were going up. There's a turnoff on two, 280 off of 101 here. They're freeways and uh it, it goes on a ramp and then it makes a little s turn and goes back down into uh into uh it's the excelsior neighborhood and when they were hit the s turn he hit the bike hit it or whatever merlin went off and down below probably 30 30 40 feet and got hit by two cars and you know they said he died they said he was probably dead by the time he hit the ground uh, but you know, and didn't feel the cars, whatever, but he got hit by two cars and yeah, I was pretty bummed out. So I, uh, I set out a goal to win a golden glove. That's what, that's what it was. I set out a goal to win a golden glove championship. And then when I found out that when you turn pro and you win a belt, it's yours forever. It's to me like you, when you lose the title, they don't take it. No, you go home. You got one on the mail piece. Well, then I'm, I'm turning pro and I'm getting a belt, you know, from my buddy Merle. Yeah. And that was, and that's what's on my belt. It says uh, this belt dedicated to my friend Merlin Porter. That was my goal was to get a belt. And then once uh, that was done and the wind was out of, <clears throat> the wind was out of my sail. And uh, I, though I stuck around because I was angry at myself for some other stuff I had done, which I'm not proud of. And, uh, so I stuck around and uh, fought. I um, what was uh, Camacho Hector Camacho? I had eighteen fights after that. Then I didn't train for any of them. Hector Camacho was the last fight I trained for. They made me weigh one hundred and fifty pounds, and uh, I've passed sixteen kidney stones since then. So uh, that was the last fight I trained for. And, yeah. Uh, yeah, that was that was not good. <laughs> so, Pat, Pat, when you when you started off boxing initially, you you went and you won the Golden Gloves, yeah. and um, you all of a sudden saw this avenue into becoming a boxer. Maybe you adopted uh, the Irish Pat moniker. The sunset was a predominantly Irish, or yeah. is a predominantly Irish yeah. area. I've my manager, my manager Tom McGarvey. As soon as we signed the contract, and, and before that, it was just part of the sunset. From now on, kid, and he, Retta, Retta, that's right, kid. I like the kid. He's got a lot of charisma. I mean, he he speaks with 
an original San Francisco accent, and there's very, very few. He's 94 years old. His his breed that speak this way are are dying out. So he's probably one of maybe a hundred people in the city that speak that way that are that are in their 90s and are on their way out. You know, but it's just like uh, like he's from New York or East Coast the way that he speaks. But he's not. He's from San Francisco. You know, when it's. Yeah. Uh, yeah, he's a good guy, McGarvey. How far did you think you'd go at uh, at the beginning of your career? You got to twelve and zero before your first loss to uh, draft and bunch. bunch. Yeah, yeah, and you were becoming a lot. You were quite a local attraction in uh, in the Bay Area. You know, selling out a lot of selling mm-hmm. a lot of tickets. Did you believe in yourself that you had world champion um, material in your fist that, that you could go all the way, or or what was the, what was the dream for you at the time? Uh, just to get a belt actually just to get a belt and I was I did not get into it for money and uh, my manager McGarvey never took a dime from me ever never took a dime from me ever took his check signed the back and handed it to me in front of all the other fighters and train and managers and and they because <laughs> he they're, he, they're watching him sign his check and hand it to the fighter no one else is doing that Mm. No one else is doing that. He, he didn't. He wasn't there. He wasn't there to make money. He, that wasn't his idea. He just thought it. You know, his kid. He's got, got a lot of a lot of charisma. You know. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> but that was it. It's uh, you know we're still really really tight, and uh, I I think of him as as my father. I mean, he's he's been the the most father figure. And I had a father and a stepfather. My father was left-handed. I didn't know until he was dead. That's how little I knew my dad. You know, my stepfather beat us all the time. was a big asshole. So um, I didn't got nothing really to say good for him at all. So McGarvey was more my my father. And Christy McGuire was more my mother. Did you meet McGarvey through boxing? Yes. He came down. He came down to Newman's gym. To, man, to to see about managing Dan McGuire, who was uh, my number one sparring partner. Dan is a six-time Golden Glove champion, all at light heavyweight. Uh, Dan's a great guy. He's uh, got seven kids now. Named his first son, Jack Daniel McGuire. That poor kid's future's mapped out for him. <laughs> but uh, he's, he's a good guy. Dan's good people. And uh, Tom came down to see him and Dan wasn't really interested. He didn't really want to turn pro. He turned pro later on, but he, he, after he lost his, I believe his seventh fight, he went six and zero. lost his seventh fight and retired. And now he's an iron worker for the city. He's got six, seven, seven children, a beautiful wife, seven beautiful kids. And, uh, he's, he's a iron worker and he's owns his own house and, uh, he's cruising. He's doing Bless. good. Yeah. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. 
Pat, I'll jump along to your first encounter with a Hall of Fame legend. In 1990, you took on Wilfred Benitez. He'd been the world's youngest champion, age 17, uh, some years previously. At this stage, 15 years later, he's 32, still got a stellar record of 52, 6 and 1. And um, you're in the opposite corner. What did you make of him? What was he like as a person? What what were his skills like? And what were you expecting yourself to do? He didn't... uh... I had met him in Newman's gym in San Francisco. He was there for a, for a, a fight that I think didn't ever even happen. Uh, but he was there training in Newman's gym, and I got his autograph, and I was all happy and blah, 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 blah. And didn't, uh, never thought that I'd be fighting this guy. And then my, my uh, I think it was my first 10-round fight was, was Wilfred Benitez. And then I followed that up with uh, Duran. So I got two, mm. two back-to-back champions and won them both. And that's when everything started really rolling, you know. Mm. And uh, how did you beat Benitez? What did you do? I, I know he was. It would it would be fair to say he was on the decline at the time. Oh yeah, uh, his, yeah. his, his, yeah, his sp- best days were past him for sure, for sure. Um, but it was it was a good fight. It was a hundred and six degrees. It was an indoor fight. Um, uh, at I can't even think right now where it was at. Uh, the fight was in what were the Tucson, Tucson, Tucson Arizona. That was in Tucson, Arizona. Yeah. So it yeah. was it was hot, but it was you know it's a dry heat, which is if it was a hundred and six here. In San Francisco, it would be the humidity is so much greater here, but it's a very dry. It felt like 80 degrees, you know, when it was over 100. It felt like 80 degrees, you know, mm. not not over 100. So it's, it's different when you're when you're when you're in that kind of, you know, atmosphere. Yeah. And you must have been over the moon to have your hand raised. But then for your next contest, you get paired up with Roberto Duran. Had you previously done some sparring with Hands of yeah. Stone? Yeah, we, we did in 89. He came to San Francisco and we did a four round exhibition at the Civic. And that's when I first met him. And uh, and it was it was a lot of fun. It was good. Yeah. It was, you know, he was uh, it was nothing serious, nothing big, just just cruising. But uh, he then he lost to Leonard in the, in the Uno Moss. Mm. And he thought that I would be, a you know, an, an easy mark, you know, that it wasn't because I didn't bring anything. It, when we did the exhibition, I didn't get cute or anything or try to try to you know, cheap shot him or anything like that. So so then I got I got the shot and I got to, yeah. uh, you know, made the most of it. Yeah, you fought him in Las Vegas on the undercard of um, Mike, Mike Tyson, Tyson against Don- uh, Donovan Razor Ruddock. Yeah. The first, the first fight. Bernard Hopkins, future legends. Like yeah, Julius Cesar Chavez is on the card as well. But yeah. you're there fighting maybe the biggest legend yeah. of them all, Roberto Duran, an intimidating guy. Um, what what was he like? It, you know, it, it was. Uh, I hate saying this, but it, it was it was actually one of the easiest fights I ever had, and it was just. Move, move to my uh, to my left, away from his power, and and I'm taller than him, so and then I just would catch him with straight right hands and left hooks, and he just got frustrated, and then uh, he quit, and when he quit, a lot of people don't know this. While while he was, he, I hit him, I hit him, I'm sure I hit him in the uh, lower right side of his gut. 
and he complained about his left arm. <laughs> so while they're in the corner, I exhale and I end up blowing my mouthpiece out. So while they're looking at, you know, at Duran's rib or whatever is kidney or whatever the hell he's complaining about. I'm on my hands and knees trying to pick up with my attached thumb gloves. I can't pick up my mouthpiece because my gloves won't do it. And I had to ask somebody at the, who was ringside, sir, could you please put my mouthpiece? And it had a black mark. I said, the black mark goes on top. He put my mouthpiece in. I stood up and my hand was raised and I won the fight. But if, if they were every, the cameras were all on Duran and if they would have put the camera, on, what the hell is Lawler doing? He's got no mouthpiece. Yeah. Oh man. He's crazy. <laughs> yeah. They called it like uh, his second no mass. And yeah. maybe, that, maybe yeah. that was unfair on him. I'm not sure. Uh, you were an eight, he was an eight to one favorite. Duran was, yeah. he, he made it into his book. I am Duran. He, he said, um, he talked about the fight. He said Pat Lawler should have been an easy fight. Prior to the bout, he discusses going to spar with um, the actor Mickey Rourke uh, yeah. and says he hurt his shoulder there and he was also suffering from fever. And one of his managers had bought between 10 and 15 laundry machines and he insisted that the ran fight. Uh, you know, he needed the purse. I think he was getting $250,000 for the fight. Yeah, uh, you, yeah, you were making yeah. 10% of that. Yeah, that was it. I mean, that was my biggest payday. Don King paid me my two biggest paydays came from Don King. I fought Camacho uh, for, uh, I think, I think Bob Arum was, was, I could be wrong. Um, but I think he was the money behind it. I'm pretty sure, but it was 7,500 for, for Camacho. And, uh, Don King, 18,000 for Terry Norris and 25,000 for Roberto Duran, you know, and those were my two biggest paydays. Yeah. Uh, Duran, the rematch with Duran, 12 rounds on his birthday, Roberto Duran Arena, Panama City, Panama, 5,000 bucks. That's it. Yeah. It's extraordinary, bucks. isn't it? <laughs> but again, I, I, I ran, I ran about 12 laps around a baseball diamond in Panama. And that was all I did for the fight. That was it. I mean, I just, I, uh, I was, I was, uh, angry with myself for something I had done and, uh, just stuck around in a game that I should have been out of. Um, but it was upset with myself. So I, uh, just, if well, you're upset with yourself and you're a boxer, you're in the right place. What were you upset with yourself uh, for? I did some really bad things before, before the Duran fight, the first one. And, uh, I have hated myself ever since, but whatever. Just, uh, Can you tell us? Uh, I'd rather not. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Uh, not good. Yeah. Between, between the two, between the two Roberto Duran fights, you fight John David Jackson for for the world title, the WBO. Yeah. I think it's it's new at the time. It's uh, I was going to put that shirt on instead of my. I'm wearing this uh, uh, who's this a Donald Duck boxing shirt right now because my daughter told me to wear a boxing shirt, but the only one I have is John David Jackson, and that was <laughs> that was not a good night. <laughs> but he, he's a good guy, and he was a great. You know, it was stupid to fight a guy who was undefeated and a southpaw. You know, that was that was a dumb move. But uh, 
and that's you know you're you're thinking uh you're on the way you, you're there's a reason that you're doing this and uh you're gonna win it and, and not not even close i probably didn't win one round in that fight hmm. john david jackson is a really really experienced fighter really good fighter and yeah. he just he just didn't have an appealing style that and and that probably hurt him in his career you know, it was just not a, it was, I don't know, just wasn't appealing. I don't know. He didn't have sort of something there, there, there should, he should have been more better taken care of, you know, or, or had some bigger fights or whatever. And he then he ended, nobody ever beat him. I don't think anyone ever beat John David Jackson. I think he might have retired undefeated. Uh, he may have lost. I don't know. You got, you got his record there in front of you. Uh, indeed, I do. John, yeah, twenty-four and oh, he retires. Uh, oh no, sorry, incorrect. He retires at thirty-six and four. Uh, oh, so he did with losses to Jorge Castro, Abdullah Ramadan, Bernard Hopkins, and uh, Jorge Castro again. He lost Bernard Hopkins. Uh, indeed, yeah, John David wow. Jackson lost wow, to Hopkins uh, in nineteen ninety-seven. Wow, Bernard Hopkins was in my dressing room. The night I beat Roberto Duran, he was in a six-round fight. He was a, a, a up-and-coming, you know, fighter, and uh, yeah, yeah, he was on the undercard. What was he like? He was a yeah, nice guy. Yeah, but whatever. We're, in, we're all in one room here, you know. Yeah, because you he's know. become he's become he became this kind of uh, titan of you know willpower and mind games and everything you know this this brilliant champion but i suppose at the start he's not he's not long uh, not long out of prison probably at the time trying to make his name i didn't even know he went to prison he began he began i think uh he was in prison at the start of his career really i had yeah. no idea i had no idea that <laughs> wow wow after John David Jackson, you end up uh, headlining in Tokyo against uh, Hiroshi oh, Kamiyama. Yeah, yeah, what happened yeah. there? How'd you get over there? Just again, yeah, just hating myself, you know. Um, I struck a woman. That was what I did. And, and I've hated myself for it ever since. And it was a big part of why I stuck around and just punished myself for it because I, I deserved it. That's why, you know, why I stuck around longer than I should have, but whatever. I mean, I just saw her not too long ago and, uh, she's forgiven me and what I, I, I'll never forgive myself for doing it though. It's just something I got a personal hate of my own <laughs> myself. So, you know, it was a bad thing to do. It was wrong. And, I really not good, not good on my part at all. That's yeah. never it's never right to do that. Never. Was she who was she to you? She was somebody that I knew and I left um my girlfriend at the time at a party. Uh and I'm just living with my brother who uh the phone rang in the morning, I was asleep, he was already up. And I, I walk in, the phone call woke me up and I walked out in the front room and my brother handed me the phone and then started stomping. I can't believe it. You can't leave your gun. We're trying to party without some bimble or blah, 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 blah. And he's getting me all jacked up. And I know where she lives. And, uh, just, I, I wish that day, 
I hate that day. And every uh, November, November 20th is when it happened. Uh, I just, uh, every November 20th, I'm, and I'm, <laughs> I'll buy a, I'll buy a people, six, seven people, whatever, and we will all have a shot. And it's just to a complete fucking asshole piece of shit myself. And I, you know, I just, I, I hate myself for doing what I did. It's really, it's been, it's bothered me ever since. It's yeah. been bothering me. Yeah. It's just, uh, I, I went to prison and if I didn't have this behind me and you put me in prison for a wet, reckless DUI, I would be furious, but the, all the Duran money went to her. The 25,000 bucks went to her. If it was 25 million, I wouldn't care. Mm. All right. But I, I deserved to go to prison for doing that. And eventually I went there for a wet, reckless drunk driving, but I let, if I didn't have it behind me doing this horrible thing, um, and you put me in San Quentin for a wet, reckless DUI would be so angry and violent and angry, you know, but I deserve to go there for what I had done for what I had done. Yeah. I I deserve to go there. And that, it helped me, it helped me deal with it. You know, I let that be the reason and it helped me do my time much better. You know, can I ask why didn't uh, you get justice at the time for striking this girl or this woman? I uh, uh, paid paid the money yeah, okay. for the yeah yeah yeah. So as I'm a way, of pun- yeah, as yeah, a way I'm of punishing bad. yourself, you uh, yeah, you kept, yeah, you kept going into the ring yeah. with uh, with killers. Like yeah. next up was Terry Norris. Yeah, that's he, a bad that's a bad career move. Uh, my buddy said <laughs> one of my best friends, Dan McGuire, Waller. Like I beat it down like a Monday morning boner. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, and that's the kind of you know they make you laugh when you're hurt, you know. <laughs> you're gonna make me laugh anyway, you know. <laughs> that's, yeah. But that's that's Dan. That's Dan. He's a funny guy, man. <laughs> yeah. But that's all right. And, and you move on. You you move on from uh, you. You were stopped by yeah. Terry Norris in Las Vegas uh, yeah. in the third in the third round, and then. Um, Two years later, you fight Hector Camacho in St. Louis, 1994. You lose by decision, unanimous in 10. Um, for the last, for 12 years, that that began like a, a real a slide in your yeah. career, in your career yeah. prospects in terms of um, being yeah. someone who could challenge the top fighters. You lost um, 12 of your last 16 starting with Camacho. Yeah. Uh, yeah. You went on to fight Joe Calzaghe in Cardiff, yeah, lost two was- in, in 96. Uh, and in yeah. Camacho, that was the last fight I trained for. That yeah. was was Camacho. They made me weigh 150 pounds, and uh, my pro debut was I was 149 on my pro debut back in '87, and, and then 151 again with Camacho. And I had already gone up to one. I think I was 162 when I beat Duran, and then came back down for this fight with Camacho, and then uh, that was the last one I trained for. Mm. So you go from Calzaghe, uh, stopped in two in 96. And I suppose maybe I'll just, I'll wrap it up with Vinny, Vinny Pazienza. You know, everyone knows yeah. him from the incredible <laughs> career he had. Uh, stopped in two as well hey, in 2001. Why is he not in the Hall of Fame? That guy should be in, that guy should be in the, in the World Boxing Hall of Fame or International whatever Boxing Hall of Fame. He, guy was a three-time champion 
broke his neck on a motorcycle accident and came back and won a world championship. I mean, if that guy doesn't deserve to, to be in a, who does, you know, I mean, God, that guy deserves to be in a hall of fame. Well, sure. uh, we'll, we'll put it this way then, Pat. Uh, you fought five Hall of Fame guys, Roberto Duran twice, Joe Calzaghe, Hector Camacho, Terry Norris, and Wilfred Benitez. And we'll throw uh, Vinny Paz, Vinny Pazienza yeah. in there as well and make it six. Yeah. Who was the best of them? Um, which, 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 bits, which bits of all would you combine to who was the fastest, who hit hardest? Which, who was the best of them? The worst ass kicking I ever got was Terry Norris. Yeah. Uh, Camacho was just fast. Um, and he knocked me down the first round. I like, I got, I squared up my feet, which is a first mistake. Just no, should have never done that. That was just a stupid thing. And he hit me in the chest and I went down and played catch up the rest of the fight. But, um, Joe Calzaghe, yeah, that was just fought Joe Calzaghe when I was in the no training. So his father, who just passed away recently, Enzo yeah. was a great guy, and I, I play music, and Enzo played music. So I, you know, I was uh, I have a little guitar I take with me on my. Uh, I'd be playing guitar on the plane on the plane rides over there. You play guitar on the plane rides to Europe. Yeah, I got a little Chiquita. It's a little small little guitar, and it's uh the headphones and. It was, it was so that's and it didn't uh it, it helped me traveling because I, I don't it's hard for me to sit in a place in a little tiny little cubby hole for for twelve hours or something, however long the flight is, you know. Tokyo was a long time. That was a that was a long flight. Yeah. Eventually, uh, you hung up the gloves for the last time. I think you were out between 2002 and 2005, and you came back for one last hurrah, four-round draw, Paul Vasquez, that's it, call it quits. Yeah, and then that was, yeah, that was a mess. That that was, oh, I'm sorry. That was a, just, I wasn't training. It was nothing. It was just, uh, I don't even, somebody talked me into coming back and doing mm. it, and it was whatever. That was in didn't care about anything then, you know, it was out of my, out of my blood then, you know, I wasn't yeah. living it. I wasn't, didn't even care about it. You know, I very seldom even watch right now. I very seldom watch boxing. You know? Really? Yeah. So, but it, ta it takes quite a toll on the fighters as well, because you look at those opponents. Um, yeah. I didn't know before we made this phone, before we made this podcast for you and about your recent diagnosis. Yeah. So I'm really sorry to hear it. Uh, I suppose I could still ask a question about, you see the, the damage that boxing did to Benitez and, and I, I believe Norris yeah. has his troubles as well. Um, is, is it all worth it? In terms of, they had their troubles in terms of like neurological difficulties afterwards, yeah. particularly beneath us. Yeah. Um, as long as I can live with it, you know, and, and I'm not, and, and I don't need anybody to, you know, take care of me. Mm. Yeah. Well, aside from my girlfriend, you know, <laughs> she's a good girl. Of course, yeah. Yeah. She runs a nonprofit here in town. She raises over $2 million a year to send kids to camp and provide scholarships for children. So she's a, she's surrounded by millionaires that hit on her all the time. And she comes home to me. I, she's something wrong with her. I don't know. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, since, since hanging up your gloves, you've, you've, 
worn many hats. You wore a hat going into the ring every time, but you've worn many hats out of the ring. You've trained in real estate, uh, worked in pest control, worked on a book, dabbled in poetry, worked behind a bar. I think yeah. currently employed as a longshoreman. Yeah. I started a book when I was in uh, San Quentin, and I won't finish it until I want to have a nice, happy ending. I don't want to have a bad ending, so I need to... You know, and I and I wrote uh, a a couple asked me to write a book of poems, and uh, I've got about I think uh, I think I've got uh, maybe thirty twenty between twenty five and thirty poems, something like that. Uh, I think maybe three or four of them are boxer poems, and then there's other stuff, you know, whatever bunch of different stuff yeah now, you're not the you're not the first boxer to be incarcerated that's for sure what was uh, your experience like <laughs> what was your experience like in san quentin uh the uh co's are that uh correctional officers that are uh, uh and they <laughs> not 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 a big fan <laughs> but i guess uh, they got to do their job which whatever, you know, whatever it is, no big. Were you uh, prone to fighting in there? You said earlier. No, that- no, I just wanted to get out and, and you get in any trouble. It's just out into your, you know, to your time you got to do. And I wanted to get out and I want to stay in. You know. How did you occupy your time? Uh, I believe you got um, your high school equivalency in there. I, uh, almost all of it. I had, yeah. still had to do the math. I had to pass my math test, but yeah. And I had to actually get in trouble in San Quentin to go to school. My CEO, uh, oh, wow. What the hell was her name again? I can't think of her name. Um, but she would not sign me out. So I no, you do that on your own time. You work for me. So it was more important for me to go into a, a room, uh, the visitor's room and, uh, and polish, shine up the, the phones or whatever, blah, 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 rather than get an education, you know, that, and which is, they don't want you to have an education. They want you to come back. It keeps them, you know, keeps them busy, keeps them at work, you know, but, uh, yeah, my daughter actually, is she was going to graduate high school and I had one more test I needed to pass. And, uh, and I, so I went, I had two different tutors. I went back to, a uh, college or, or whatever city college and took some, uh, algebra class. And I finally got past it. Maybe what, three months before you graduated, something like that. Yeah. So I got out before my daughter, that was all I was needed. To do. <laughs> And it didn't really didn't really mean anything to me before I went in, but but when I got out, I really wanted to get it done. And then before she graduated, I got it I got it done. So yeah. I got out before my daughter. <laughs> and, um, so Pat, mm-hmm. have you any uh, abiding memories in boxing or any regrets? I regret staying around too long. Um. Uh. I met some good people. Uh, McGarvey, McGarvey, Tom McGarvey's like my dad. Um, and Dan McGuire, when I, when I didn't meet Dan from boxing, Dan followed me in, into the boxing. And, 
But we we would throw down. We, we must have boxed juice at thousands, thousands of rounds. Uh, but no, I mean, it, it was it was fun, you know, while it lasted, while it was going, you know, it, it just after the Camacho, I just didn't uh, didn't want to train anymore. And the kidney stones, the yeah, <laughs> my little boy Rocky and his brother Spike. My daughters, Roxanne, Raquel, and Pebbles. I gave birth to them all. Uh. Yeah. <laughs> well, Pat, we're going to leave you be now. If you want to go out with a poem, uh, or if you have another work about boxing, you want um, to read out? Oh, sure. Uh, okay. Okay, you ready? Hit me. Okay. When I set out on this goal of mine so very long ago, never did it cross my mind that I would ever touch somebody so. But that was what was told to me long after I was done while enjoying myself at a banquet, sipping a few beers and having some fun. The dinner I was attending was the World Boxing Hall of Fame, where people come to honor warriors and participants in this rough and crazy game. And while I was standing there, just drinking my beer and simply enjoying the night, I saw this beautiful woman walking towards me from across the room. And man, was she looking out of sight. Pat Lowen, she said, kind of shy and coy. I'm sure you don't remember me or even then my very young boy. But she said I but she told me I had signed him an autograph, given him a rubber stamp, signing it to my good friend Diego, a future world champ. She said it had inspired her son, giving him confidence and prowess. She said, and by the way, his name he's here tonight and his name is Diego Corrales. I began to weep tears and then broke down and cried for it had been a tribute that brought me into this game to honor my good friend Merlin who years before I died. Now this young lad Diego must have surely shown me some stuff for me to call him a future world champion. The young boy must have really been tough. I really didn't remember him as a boy, but most certainly knew him as a man after watching him come off the floor to stop Holy. Jose Luis Castillo the way only a true champion can. And now he's been taken away and it's to that big arena in the sky. His poor parents, Olga and Ray, are probably still wondering why. Why they might ask, did God take our son leaving this empty pain in our chest? My belief is that God is a true fight fan who only takes the best. So Diego, thanks for the thrills throughout your brilliant career. I'm sure that every time your name comes up, your adoring fans will cheer. They'll say, Chico, fear no evil, believing his gloves were his rod and staff. I'd like to think I played a small part in that brilliant career the day I signed him that autograph.